Gratitude with Attitude with Simon Gamewell Brought to you by TAP, the social thanking platform Hello and welcome, this is Gratitude with Attitude Coming up today, I'm going to be talking about resilience and gratitude. I'll be joined by Alan Stevens, who'll be talking about human pattern recognition. We've got some of your lovely dedications, and of course, we've got some great music. And remember, if you want to express gratitude and thank someone, visit thankandpraise.co.uk and download our app. Let's get started then. Here's the four tops with Reach Out. I'll be there. Resilience is defined as the capacity to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. 
Resilience isn't just some sort of inbuilt programming, some automatic reaction to hard times. It needs to be developed and worked on through our relationships and networks. Gratitude is a great way to strengthen those relationships and build up our resilience. Gratitude is a key component in resilience training. It may not be easy to practice gratitude when times are hard, but if we live gratefully, we will appreciate the positive aspects of our lives and won't focus on just the negative things in life. We build resilience by realizing that we can't overcome these obstacles that life throws at us alone. We need the help of others at some point. Resilience is also heavily enabled by strong relationships and networks. This works both ways. The stronger our relationships, the more resilient we will be. And the stronger our resilience is, it will deepen our social health and support networks. Gratitude helps to develop stronger workplace relationships in a number of ways, including uh, empathy, perspective, teamwork, purpose, and work surges. Firstly, gratitude can really help us to build relationships by helping us to be more empathetic. We are able to put ourselves in the position of the other person, noticing their kindness to us and taking action to reward that kindness with gratitude. This lays a firm foundation for strong relationships and it will increase our level of psychological safety within those relationships. Gratitude also helps us to put the problem into perspective because it isolates that moment in time. That moment when we had a problem, someone acted kindly and we appreciated that kindness. It also helps us to see the uh, problem more objectively. Gratitude enables us to work together as a team, knowing that our colleagues, friends or partners have got our back and we've got theirs. Gratitude gives us a shared goal or common purpose. Helping each other with kindness will make these goals seem closer and achieving these goals seem easier. So when obstacles or issues occur, uh, that work surge that is needed all hands on deck will we'll be uh, prepared, knowing that we're part of a strong team where everyone trusts one another to pull together. Gratitude helps us to widen our mental openness and creativity. The idea that our minds actually work better when we are grateful, allowing us to be more creative, more optimistic, more optimistic and more capable in our endeavors. A grateful mindset is also more likely to encourage help-seeking behavior. Grateful people are more likely to seek support, utilize the resources available to them, and approach problems directly with a positive outlook. They also try to find the potential for learning and growth. Oh, so says clinical uh, psychologist Dr. Lillian Nijad. Because grateful people use effective coping skills, they are less stressed when problems arise. So we can use the power of gratitude to strengthen our personal, social and work-based relationships 
and build our resilience so we're ready for whatever life throws at us. Music time then. Here's Mabel with Time After Time. Okay, let's have some dedications from Taps thanking walls. And remember, if you want to thank someone and express gratitude, visit thankandpraise.co.uk and download our app. So first of all, we've got a message from Catherine Peacock. Catherine says, to Mohammed Bilal at Cancer Research UK, Shipley. She says, as your ex-manager at Cancer Research, I wanted to say, your hard work, passion, and dedication have not gone unnoticed. Your commitment to supporting the CIUK cause as a volunteer has been truly remarkable, and I'm incredibly grateful to have you as part of the Shipley team. Your efforts have touched the lives of many, including those directly affected by cancer, their families, and countless others who benefit from the groundbreaking research that your work helps to fund. 
Your efforts have not only impacted Cancer Research UK as an organisation, but have also made a significant difference in the fight against cancer by devoting 15 years to the Shipley branch. Your impact on the world is truly commendable. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for your outstanding support to Shipley CRUK with the deepest gratitude. And here's a message to Raphael at Convert School Home Support, London. Raphael helped me with housing to get a home swap, but she also found extra money to help with transport to get my child into school. I'm now settled and it's easier to get into school. And Mark Pridefa Runham says, to the doctors and reception staff at the Adam practice, I would like to thank the doctor who cycled over to my mother's home when she had an issue recently with her toe and her kidneys. My mother was very thankful for the visit and always spoke highly of the staff at the surgery. It's so reassuring to know that there are caring, compassionate people who take that little extra time to reassure nervous and anxious patients. The reception staff and the doctors are a credit to society. And Liz Gibbs says to Darren Stevens at Whispers Care Solutions. Darren is an outstanding team player who has worked non-stop today on a 12-hour shift to settle a new complex client. Darren is extremely passionate about his job responsibilities and he has played a vital role today with settling this client in. Music time. Here's Kenny Rogers with The Gambler. On a warm summer's evening On a train bound for nowhere I met up with The Gambler We were both too tired to sleep so we took turns of staring Out the window at the darkness Till boredom overtook us And he began to speak He said, son, I've made a life Out of reading people's faces And knowing what the cards were By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bombed a cigarette And asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet And his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold up Hold up, know when to walk away and know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away. Knowing what to keep Cause every hand's a winner And every hand's a loser And the best
best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep. And when he finished speaking, he turned back toward the window, crushed out a cigarette, faded off to sleep. And somewhere in the darkness, the gambler he broke even. But in his final words, I found an ace that I could keep. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. You got to know. Sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. When the dealing's done, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. Joining us now is Alan Stevens. Hello, Alan. G'day there, Simon. How you doing? I'm not too bad. Are you? Pretty good, thanks. And thank you very much for joining us on the show today. So, so we're going to be talking today uh, about a human pattern recognition. So, so let's um, start off by talking about you, though. Uh, what was it that, that, that brought you to, to this uh, this whole area in the first place? Well, the fact that uh, well, what I do is all about teaching people how to read other people to create uh, better relationships, whether that be in their personal life or in their business. And the main reason I got into it because I was rubbish at building relationships. I'd been through two divorces, a lot of broken relationships, and I even had business partners who emptied the bank out. So uh, around my 50th uh, birthday, I realized I had to have better ways of reading people because that was just after I went through my second divorce. And so I thought, how do I get to, uh, to uh, read people, to understand them more effectively, to build those stronger relationships? And that's what spurred me into uh, the pathway I'm in today. Right, right. So, 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 so what does <clears throat> um, human pattern recognition actually mean then? Well, we're looking at the, the, uh, the patterns and the way in which we communicate, our personalities, our emotions. So I work with four sciences that I brought together and put them into uh, one process called uh, rapid trait profiling, which is now quite unique uh, worldwide. But I put it together in a way like four sciences in a way that they're delivered as an art form. Now, one of the first uh, areas I work with, and some of your listeners might think this sounds a little bit woo-woo, but your facial features will tell me your personality. So I can see your photograph. I don't even need to meet you in real life. I don't even need to ask you any questions. If I can see your face, then uh, on your LinkedIn profiles, websites, anywhere like that, or even just walking past me down the street, straight away from your facial features, I know your personality. And the way that works, if you lift uh, weights, you're gonna build muscles in your body. At the same time, when you're concentrating, you pull expressions over and over. And as we know that everything we feel inside, we express outwardly. So while you're concentrating and thinking, 
you're going to work the same muscles over and over and you're going to create ridges and crevices on your face which become a history of how you like to think and process so if i can see that i've got your personality then i know where where you are on the world scale on each of those traits at the same time i know where i'm on the world scale as well and i know how to change the way that i like to be spoken to to match the way that you do so virtually using the uh, the words where i'm actually tuning my transmitter into your receiver like on the radio here for people want to listen to uh, the show they're going to have to tune their receiver into the uh, transmitter because they know what frequency the transmitter is running at but when i'm communicating i want to get my message across so i have to tune my transmitter into their receiver then the other two areas of body language and the micro expressions little twitches on the face they give away your um, emotions and when i i realize that i know whether i've read you right whether there's something emotionally going on and are you telling me the truth but when it comes to the truth side of it i'm not using that as a lie detector i'm using that as a truth seeker because if there's something going on i want to find out what it is and help you uh, to a solution in that area and if i'm doing a sale sale gets put on side off, off on side for a while and i'll be asking you and questions and talking to you to see if you'll tell me what's going on if i can help you with that then brilliant and if we go back to the sale great if we don't i know that i'll build a relationship and we'll get to the sale again at some other time because build the relationship first and everything else happens after that and that's what i'm all about yeah and communication is all all about being on the same frequency isn't it like like you say you you, you need to be able to uh, uh out output an input and be on the same level really that's exactly right so it's a matter of you know as i said tuning your transmitter into the other person's uh, receiver talking to them in the way that they want to be spoken to so i'm analytical and i need a lot of information before i make a decision but there are other people who just want the least amount of information the overview and if i talk to them the way that i like to be spoken to they're going to either switch off or they're going to try and finish my sentences they're going to try and rush me to the end because what i'll do is i'll talk myself into the sale but then i'll talk myself out of the sale because i'll give them far too much information and i'll switch off but if i know that and there's a lot of information i can say to them look i'm going to give you the overview you ask the questions that you need to ask and then uh, if there's something there that i think you need to know that you have an ask is it right if i tell you that then now at that point they know we're going to have a discussion i'm not going to be talking at them i'm going to be talking with them and so here's the overview what questions do you have okay remember i said before there might be something there that you need to know that boring stuff we're there now and i usually get a, a bit of a smile or a giggle from them at that point and i know i've had rapport all the way through and so i get the message across with the information that they need not the information that i would need in they were telling me right and humor and uh, camaraderie almost it when when mm. when you build trying to build some sort of a rapport with someone and that's it see building rapport is the most important thing because i say to people in business you've got a product and a service and I, i'll ask them is this product and service good and I, they'll say yes and i'll say well when it comes to relationships which is the most important is it the relationships or is it the product and service and quite often i'll get um when people are answering they'll argue with each other over that and i said well that was a trick question they're all equally important but what i should have asked you was which is it what is which one of those is the priority 
Now, if you don't uh, build a, re a relationship with people, you'll never get a chance to uh, show your products or services. And so you need to do that first, but you've also got to have good products and services because a relationship on its own is no good either in a business sense. So they've all got, they're all equally important, but the priority is build the uh, relationships first. And in business, when people uh, ask you, what do you bring to the table? You know, your products and services, and they ask me that, all I can say is I just bring the table because the relationships are the foundation of everything. And then you, you put your products and services on that table. So to do that effectively, you got to build the relationship first. Yes, it's a, I, I, are there any sort of um, telltale, telltale signs that someone might be um, struggling or having a difficulty? Because obviously, um, uh, TAP's all about gratitude and kindness. So, so if you can see that someone uh, is in difficulty, then maybe um, an act of kindness is, is exactly what they need. Well, exactly. So when you're talking to somebody and people, you know, if I was standing there and I had my arms folded when you were talking to me, a lot of people will see that as being that I'm uh, switched off, that I'm, I'm guarded. It could be that I'm cold. It could be a myriad of reasons as to why. It could be that I've got you up on a pedestal and so I'm feeling intimidated around you. So I'm giving myself a warm hug. But it's what's the combination of all that you can see that's going on. If I'm standing there, I've got my arms folded, but I'm leaning in, I'm looking at you, I'm talking, you know, I'm nodding in response to what you're saying, my feet are facing towards you, I'm not leaning away from you, I'm not turning my body, and my feet aren't facing to the door, then obviously that um, I'm interested in what you're saying. So the folded arms just tell me that, hey, I need to give myself a bit of a warm hug, or that I've got a, um, uh, you know, might have short, short, short shoulders and I'm giving my arms a rest. So, but if I open, the other person opens their arms up at that point, then I know that they're even more open again. And so we're looking for those changes. So if you're talking to somebody and they don't seem to be connected, there seems to be something else going on. The expressions on their face, you know, you're talking about something that might be a happy situation, but you're getting that appearance of a bit of sadness on their face. You know that something emotionally is going on. And at that point, this is when you change the conversation. You try and uncover what's going on because the, I run a group called the Campfire Project, which is a safe place for men and women to be able to come in and share their stories. The stories have never felt uh, brave enough or had the courage to actually share with anybody before because they're worried about what people would think of them. Well, in that situation, I sit there and listen to them tell their stories and quite often people will say to me, look, I don't know what I'm going to say. 45 minutes later, I'm finally getting a second word in once they get started. Because being able to read them, understand them, set that up so it's a safe place that they realise that uh, you're there to uh, support them, they will then start to open up. And being able to sit with somebody in that situation, talk about gratitude, I feel a lot of gratitude, uh, grateful to them because here's somebody who has trusted me enough to share something that they've never told other people before, that's a real honour. And if I can uh, hold their space that, that, that in a way in which at the end of it, they feel a lot more comfortable, that they feel that, uh, well, if they get some therapy out of that, it's really their unconscious mind finally getting through to their conscious mind. But I've just facilitated that situation. I'm just going along for the ride. And I feel very grateful that they actually invite me in to do just that. Yeah, because we, we talk about a culture of gratitude, sort of a, um, creates more 
psychological safety, which is exactly what you're talking about, isn't it, really? That's it. And so, you know, when I'm talking to people, I'm I'm listening not to respond to them, but uh, listening to them to understand. Because if I can understand, you know, where's the commonality between us? You know, I speak to all genders, cultures, religions, and my focus is to find the common thread that we have. Because in reality, everybody wants to feel that they're um, they valued, that they they contribute, that they have a place, that they belong. And so I'm looking for that uh, connection with them. And after that, I can look at the differences we have with a um, an attitude of curiosity, not judgment, but curiosity to find out more about them. And in doing that, they they sense the difference because we're all uh, emotional beings. We pick up other people's energy and we respond to that. So if you when you're talking to people, if you're genuine, they will always recognize it. If you're not genuine, I guarantee they're going to pick it up. They'll, how many times have you spoken to somebody and everything sounded absolutely perfect, but you had that gut feeling something was wrong? And that'll be because you picked up the nonverbals, that uh, it didn't correlate. It wasn't uh, congruent with what they were saying. It, it wasn't in context or whatever. So there was some difference there. And we'll always go with the nonverbals over the verbals. If the verbals and the nonverbals match, then we're happy. If there's a mismatch, we'll always go with the nonverbals. And quite often we go, something was not right here. I don't know what, but I just don't trust that other person. Yeah, yeah, because curiosity can, can be really healthy. Uh, uh, checking in on other people, whether they're colleagues or, or friends, making sure they're okay and, and give them the chance to uh, express concerns and, uh, and even ask for help sometimes. That's it, because at the end of the day, you know, if you're, if you're talking about your work colleagues, for instance, the work, excuse me, the workplace becomes a lot more happier, a lot more productive when uh, people are able to um, feel that they're safe. So it's important if you're running an organisation to look after your staff, to understand what they're going through, to be able to set up situations where you can uncover uh, issues that are going on in their life, whether that be at home or in the workplace. Because if you, um, your staff aren't happy, you're actually going to lose money in the process because people who aren't happy are uh, not productive. And so if somebody feels that they've been bullied, their performance will drop 70% in the workplace. People who observe other people being bullied, their performance drops 40%. And on a large organisation, that averages out around about uh, 30% of the performance. Productivity of the business has gone out the window. So it's important, even from just that selfish point of view of running a business and wanting to make sure it's okay, it grows, you've got to look after your staff. But it, and once you start focusing on people where you may have had the ulterior motive of wanting to make sure that you know, your business succeeded, now, because you're dealing with people in that way, it just becomes a natural way of dealing with everybody, whether it be money behind it or not. You know, in your personal life, talking to children, to your spouse, to people in the street, you just become a more compassionate person in the way in which you deal with people. And let's face it, the more of us doing that, the better the world we're going to have. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And, and yeah, you talk about productivity, but, but uh, being um, grateful and appreciative but also has a big effect on staff turnover and staff retention as well, doesn't it? Exactly, because if people aren't happy, they're going to leave their work and that's the, the whole thing. You know, I put a post up on LinkedIn 
a couple of years ago and it was a picture of Richard Branson that I found on the internet and it was written next to it, take care of your employees um, and they'll take care of your business. And uh, uh, they'll, uh, they'll take care of your customers. And I put that post up and I said, well, if that's the case, why is it that um, uh, 87% of people are disengaged in the workplace? And they were the stats from uh, the uh, Gallup research. It was about 87% of people were disengaged. There was 66% who were just, just disengaged, but it was another 21% who were actively disengaged. In other words, they were complaining about their organisation. And I noticed the responses that came back. People were complaining about their employers and employers complaining about their staff. And even some of the, um, uh, the business people arguing with each other as well. Because I followed it up with a second picture of Richard and it was, um, uh, uh, customers uh, don't come first, your staff do. If you treat your staff the right way, then uh, you'll uh, grow your business. I can't remember the exact words now, but the end result was that from that, I realised the misnomers and people weren't understanding that when you uh, put your staff first and you look after them, you're actually putting your customers first because it's your staff who deal with the customers. And if the staff aren't happy, your customers aren't happy. So if a company wants to keep their customers, keep the loyalty, grow their business, then they have to um, uh, look after their staff because the staff are the ones who are impacting on the customers. Now, I run a business, I can go out and bring uh, customers in, but if I've got staff and the staff are the ones that then look after them after that and I don't look after my staff, it's not long before the customers are going to get disgruntled and go to somebody else. So looking after one always looks after the other. Yeah, because people don't usually change jobs because of the money. The main reason why they change jobs is that lack of recognition, that lack of uh, That's it. connection. Yeah, they, they leave because of their bosses. They leave because of their um, supervisors. And if they're not, you know, people will work long hours They'll and work really hard in an organisation when they love it. See, they talk about business people working on their business and not in their business. Well, to work on their business, or some people now have rephrased that to working above their business, you can't do that unless you've got staff in the business who are working in the business, which means that you can walk away and leave the organisation and go and grow the business outside uh, and knowing that you can trust the people who are in the business to maintain it, not only maintain it, but grow it in your absence. And they only do that when they feel that they belong, they contribute, they're valued. And so is getting that staff loyalty and training people up. And let's face it, a leader's job is to train other people, raise them up to do the work that they were doing before and hopefully doing it better than they've ever done it so that the boss now becomes redundant in that position, which means that they can then go on and do something else. There's a lot of supervisors who think, oh, I can't train my staff to that level, they'll take my job. Well, if you're running your own business, then that's going to be great because the uh, staff are going to look after it for you and you can go out, even take some time off for a change. If you're a senior executive or a, a, a team manager or whatever in a, an organisation, if you raise others up to do the work that uh, you can do and do it better than you, you get recognised for that. And therefore, you can get promoted. Because the old Peter principle is that you get promoted to your level of incompetence. But uh, if you keep growing and keep learning and you keep supporting your staff and you develop them up to do the work that you can do, then you've proved to the uh, senior management that you are capable of taking on the next level job again and you get promoted. So this is a way of pushing that level of incompetence away from you.
Uh, yeah, in, 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 indeed, and it p p pushes the staff to to be even more productive as well. As you were saying before, if they feel valued and appreciated, then they'll work even harder. That's right, uh, because you know. If, if I don't like the work I'm doing, I'm going to do only what I have to do to get by. And that's what happens in a lot of organisations. We find a lot of the supervisors feel that they've got to micromanage the staff because the staff aren't doing the right thing. And that's because the staff don't, staff don't trust them. And the staff know that all they have to do is work out what it is that that boss is looking to be done. And they'll do the minimum to be able to get a buy. They won't do the other jobs that need to be done. They're only going to do what they can see that the boss is wanting done. And so you're going to lose productivity very fast. So micromanagement is the quickest way to take a business from being successful to uh, closing down. Right, right. But well, we're, we're almost out of time. So I, I, you made some very good points there. And obviously developing a culture of gratitude is really good for the whole workforce from the top down and everybody feels appreciated, don't they? Well, that's exactly right. See, in the first 50 years of my life, I was always chasing relationships. And I've been, as I said, I've been through a lot of divorce, you know, two divorces, a lot of broken relationships and all the rest. But in the last 20 years, I've been helping people to uh, build their relationships. And with that, what I didn't realize was the number of people I'm connected to is now, uh, well, my birthday when I turned 68 in the middle of COVID was celebrated on seven continents. These were the people I've connected with through, you know, when you're grateful to people, you talk to them, you spend time with them, you're genuinely interested in them. It's the quickest way to build relationships. And while I wasn't focusing on building relationships, I've got relationships all over the world. And my life is a lot happier than it was when I was trying to chase relationships for myself. So when we take our, the focus off ourselves and we put it on other people, I guarantee you are going to end up happier in yourself as well because the response that comes back is always uh, quite, uh, or it was mind-blowing for me, the, how much I got out of uh, helping other people. As they say, what you do for yourself dies with you, but what you do for others and for the community is and always will be eternal. Yeah, the uh, healing power of gratitude, yeah. Mm. Right then, Alan, we're, we're just about uh, out of time. So uh, just before we go, your turn to be DJ. So what, what song would you like me to play for our listeners here? <laughs> well, one that I, uh, I really like is The uh, Stranger, The Stranger by Billy Joel because that's, it talks about the faces that we uh, show people and the face that we conceal. And that's what my business is all about, finding out who the true person is underneath and connecting with them and understanding them so that they can then see and find their own strengths and rise above where they think they're at. So always knowing that people can grow. Excellent. Thank you very much, Alan Stevens. And here's Billy Joel.